this is our third week in this series of messages on our emotions, and we've been using these emoticons uh, that uh, we often use in social media to express some of our feelings and emotions. And so, uh, we've been using them here with the messages this month so far. And, uh, and in the coming weeks, we're going to deal with these issues, these emotions. Uh, when, I, when I'm bitter, when I'm discouraged, when I'm resentful, when I'm greedy, and then when I'm content. And we've already looked at worry uh, and temptation. We looked at those in the last two weeks, and I think uh, they struck a resonant chord with us and some need. But what about today? Anger. When I am angry, is that okay as a believer to confess that we get angry? Uh, Is anger an honest emotion for us as believers? Should we get angry about certain things, or should we not? Well, um, we get some helpful insight from our shallow Christian with his deep thinking on this video. We all have times in our lives when we get frustrated, and we must accept the fact that anger is an emotion we will often experience on this earth. But make no mistake, anger is a sin. As Christians, we are never under any circumstances allowed to get angry at a person or situation. We are supposed to smile and stay calm and pray for God to smite the people that inconvenienced us. But we cannot express ourselves and our frustrations in any manner other than cheery and happy, ever. Anger is one of the many banned emotions that Christians are forbidden to have, along with sadness, doubt, and boredom. Basically, we are not supposed to feel anything other than joy. So if you feel anger creeping up on you, make sure you bottle it up and bury it deep down inside yourself so that you won't be guilty of getting angry. (laughs) These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. Well, I think maybe sometimes we think that we aren't supposed to get angry, and we aren't supposed to have any emotion but joy. But uh, anger is an honest emotion. We have to understand that. In fact, uh, according to a a fairly recent USA Today poll, it talks about the fact that we are experiencing an anger epidemic in the United States. And some of the reasons cited for that have been unemployment, the economy, or the overload of work that everybody is experiencing. Now, I also found some uh, interesting facts on anger this week. At least I, I, I found them to be ang- of am, uh, interesting facts. That the average man is angry six times a week. Is that about right for us guys? Yeah, no, six, six times a week. Now, listen to this one. The average woman is angry three times a week. Is that right? No. You don't? You're saying? Okay. You think it's more? More. Okay. Here's some differences. Men are usually angry at things such as computers, cars, washing machines, and golf clubs. (laughs) Women are usually more angry at people like husbands. There you go. Children and in-laws. Now, here's the sad thing, is that home is supposed to be our safe place, our safe haven. And that's the place that anger is most often uh, expressed with the people that we we love. Well, you know, we can have a a little bit of uh, light-heartedness about talking about anger, and hopefully we're laughing at ourselves. But the reality is that anger is a problem that creates other problems in our our culture, in our society. Uh, Statistics tell us that one out of four American homes can expect to suffer a violent crime 
and five out of six Americans can expect to be victims of violent crimes due to anger. Other estimates uh, from um, uh, the Surgeon General of the United States is that um, uh, two to four million women are, are battered by spouses or boyfriends every year. Hundreds of women are murdered by their husbands or boyfriends. Ten million children receive abuse every year at the hands of members of their family, and most all of those related to anger. And guys, you're going to listen up to this. Every year in America, an average of 14 men are killed by soft drink vending machines. (laughs) You didn't know they were that bad, did you? You know what happens? You put your money in, you don't get a drink out, and the guy grabs that thing and starts shaking it. And it falls on them and crushes them, dead, 14 a year. You become the victim of your own anger. And that's kind of what anger does when it's uh, inappropriate. And road rage, I don't even think I need to go there any further than that. But um, anger is a, a part of our life. And it is a real emotion. But the question is, is how do we experience it? And then how do we deal with it appropriately? Let's hear what the Apostle Paul says to us uh, in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians as he's writing to these believers at Ephesus and he's talking to them about some emotions and how we should live as children of God. We're going to start in verse 26. Paul says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, uh, you can be angry without being sinful. And one of the ways you want to deal with anger is to resolve the conflict behind that anger before that day ends. That's, that's what he's saying there. Uh, he says, And do not give the devil a foothold. See, that's what anger does. It lets Satan creep into our life. Then he goes on to say, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. You see, I think all those things are related to anger. And then he closes it in verse 32 by saying this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, here we see that that anger is something that we experience, and it's okay to do that. The warning is, don't sin when you get angry. So, how, how do we work through that to come to understand that and defeat that anger? Well, let's begin by thinking about the definition of anger. What, what are we dealing with? Uh, we're dealing with a normal, natural human emotion, but it is a very powerful one. And it can be a very destructive one if it's not managed. So, anger not handled carefully can lead to abusive attacks on others, and anger not dealt with correctly can eat you alive. And neither is good, and neither is intended by God for our lives. So, let's define anger. And I think it's very interesting the origin of the words anger and that concept of as we find it in the scripture. There are two words basically of origin for anger. The first word means to have pregnant nostrils. Now, that doesn't mean you're expecting another nose to grow. What that means is, and you think about this in your own life, 
When you get angry, we tend to just kind of let our nose flare, our nostrils flare. And we got, we've got all kind of feeling that are coming through there. It reminds me of a bull in these cartoons where you see that bull is just ranting and raving and then the, uh, he's just blowing steam out of his nostrils. That's the, that's the image about uh, anger. That, that's where you can see that. If you want to know if somebody's mad with you, if you want to know if your wife or your husband's mad with you, look at their nose and see if they're starting to look pregnant to you, okay? And uh, the famous phrase in the Bible that says God is slow to anger, it literally means that He is long of nose. Interesting, isn't it? Then the other word about anger means to burn or to grow hot. And I think we can understand that because we often talk about our anger in degrees of heat. We talk about being boiling, mad, hot-headed, flaming temper. You ever, you ever said something like, boy, I was good and mad about that? Well, you know, that's always describing our level of anger. It's also interesting that God is described as being angry 325 in the Old Testament alone. Jesus expressed anger most notably when He cleansed the temple. Now, when Paul says to us, be angry but do not sin, that tells me that there are at least two kinds of anger. Good anger and bad anger. Good anger. That's the kind of anger that we have as a result of seeing something that is contrary to the will of God. We see people who cannot defend themselves, who are being persecuted. And so we, we get a little bit of anger about that. But instead of being destructive, it leads us to do something constructive for these people and to help defend those who cannot defend themselves. Bad anger, on the other hand, is, is anger that's out of control. It's rage. Uh, it's, it's anger expressed inappropriately in violence and abuse, both physical and emotional. It's a strong emotion that oftentimes we lose control over and we allow Satan to destroy us or others. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about wisdom and living life. Proverbs 14, 17 says, An angry person does foolish things. You think back over your life when you were angry. Isn't that true? You probably have done some foolish things. Proverbs 29, 22 says, A hot-tempered man commits many sins. That's often true when we're angry in it. Ephesians 6, 4, 26, Paul says, Be angry, but do not sin. Verse 27, he says, Do not give the devil a foothold or an opportunity. When we do not have a handle on anger, we give Satan an opportunity to use our anger inappropriately. And so the definition of anger is it's an honest emotion, but it's one that shows that honest emotion. And what we're talking about today is, is bad anger, the anger that's not good, the anger that we need to get under control. So let's talk about how do we do that? And the first thing we need to notice is then the display of anger. How do we know when, when bad anger is on display? Well, uh, there are four models that I think we see that are pretty encompassing of, of how people deal with anger. First of all is the person we would call the maniac. Uh, this person is a walking time bomb, a powder keg. When he gets angry he throws things, he yells and, and screams. That might describe some of you or somebody you grew up with. I think a biblical example of that is Cain who committed the first murder in the Bible. And Genesis 4-5 says Cain became very angry and his countenance fell and he killed his brother Abel. So when people are maniacs and they, they, they just are walking time bomb, they get embarrassed later about what they've done. And they regret their action because they exploded with anger. But oftentimes the harm cannot be undone. 
The second person is the person who is mute. Uh, and that's the silent type. They cover up instead of blow up. They deny their feelings of, of, of anger. And they will not admit any anger. No, I'm not angry. And you see that their nose looks like it's pregnant, okay? And they're saying, no, I'm not angry. They want to conceal how they feel. They might be like what we might want to call a crockpot anger. It slowly stews and simmers. Now, that's not an appropriate way to, to deal with your anger. Because when you swallow your anger, your stomach keeps score. Ulcers, high blood pressure, headaches, and tension. All those are a part of that kind of way of handling being mute, trying to suppress that feeling of anger. I think it, Jeremiah the weeping prophet is an example of that. Jeremiah said, I stayed by myself and was filled with anger. He says, why do I keep on suffering? Why are my wounds incurable? Why won't they heal? See, anger can eat you alive. Then there's the martyr. The martyr is a self-punishing person. And, and depression is one of the defining traits about internalized anger. You keep internalizing that anger and it's going to come out in the form of depression. And, and you live in self-pity. I think an example of that is the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. When the elder brother came home and he discovered a party was going on, he asked one of the servants, what's the reason for all this merriment? And he, he learned much to his chagrin that his younger brother who took his portion of the inheritance went off and squandered it had come back home. And his daddy had thrown a party for him. And so the scripture said that the elder brother was so angry he would not go into the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You see, those people who are the martyrs, self-punishing, depression, all of that, they make others miserable when they're around them, dealing with their anger. And then there's what we would call the manipulator. These people don't get mad. They just get even. They retaliate. They're filled with sarcasm. They have hurtful jabs and jokes that they always are picking on people with. And then they say, well, can't you take a joke? I think the Pharisees are great examples of that. In Luke 6, 11, the Scripture says, But they, that's the Pharisees, were furious and began to plot with each other what they might do to Jesus. New American Standard says they were filled with rage. They were filled with rage. Now, here's the thing about all of these, these, these models that we can find. And that is that they, they are learned responses to handling anger. But the good news for us today is, as we, as we seek to get a handle on this bad anger, is that God can change how we deal with anger. Anger is a part of being human. But we need to learn how God wants us to express that anger appropriately rather than inappropriately. Proverbs 25, 28 in the Good News Translation says, If you cannot control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls open to attack. You see, anger is an indication of what's going on inside of you. And so we've got to get a handle on it. I know that this is an area that we all struggle with at some point in time. And the reason for it is we're not perfect yet. The world in which we live is not perfect. It's fallen. And we're going to, we're going to have anger expressed in our life because of certain situations and we just got to learn that it's going to be a part of our life but we got to learn how God enables us to get a handle on it. So that leads us to talk about the third point and that is the defeat of anger. How do we defeat this anger? 
And I found uh, some great insight in an anger workbook. I worked through it many years ago. I can't remember whether it was a class I was teaching or something I did on my own uh, just to help me you know, deal, deal with some anger issues. And it's by Les Carter and Frank Minerth. And they point out five steps towards learning how to defeat the anger in your life in, in appropriate ways. First of all, they say you got to understand why you get angry. See, I, if I'm going to deal with this anger issue, I got to understand why I get angry. Proverbs 19:11 says, "A man's wisdom gives him patience. Patience. For a long time, I wasn't a very patient person. I'm getting more and more patient. Grandchildren help you to do that. They do. And getting older in life and learning how to value life that helps a lot with, with my impatience." And see, the bottom line is the better I understand myself, the better I can control my anger. And and anger is a warning light of an underlying need that causes us to get angry. And and these guys that wrote this workbook suggest there are three things. There's hurt, there's frustration, and there's insecurity. There's hurt, physically or emotionally hurt, you get angry. You guys are working in your workshop and you hit your thumb with the hammer. What do you say? You don't say, ooh, that was an unpleasant experience. I don't think I'll do that again. Hmm? Have you ever taken the hammer and thrown it when you hit your thumb with it? It's nobody's fault but yours. Why take it out on the hammer? Usually you put a hole in something else when you do that. The, the, the deeper we hurt, the deeper the anger. And you know that hurting people hurt people. That's why we have to stop that cycle of abuse. That's why we need to get a handle on handling anger. Then not only hurt, but then there's frustration. That's when things just don't go your way. At home, at school, at work, or wherever. And when you reach that point of frustration, you've got to ask, is being angry over this really worth it? Is it, is it really worth it to get angry over this issue? And then the third thing is insecurity. And that's when we're afraid or when we're threatened. You know, change brings about insecurity and sometimes we get angry. That's been, that's been what's going, been going on in the life of churches in, in, in uh, our country over the last 25 or 30 years. There have been some needed changes to have been made. And most people have that concept that says, everything around me is changing at the speed of light and I can't do a thing about it. The last place I want change is in my church. I want to come into church and I want to find that things are going to be there. See, the scripture says God never changes. So they expect the worship never to change. They expect the order of worship never to change. They expect it to stay, stay and remain the same. And, and a lot of times when it doesn't, that's created anger. And churches are split and all kinds of worship wars have gone on. We evaded that. We had a few skirmishes, but we evaded most of all that with the war. Okay? So there you go. First of all, you got to understand yourself. You know, why do I get angry? Then the second step is this you got to look to God and not to others for your self worth. What does that mean? It means that insecure people are easily angered, but confident people handle their anger better. Now, what kind of confidence is it? It's not self confidence, it's confidence that we find in our relationship with God. Proverbs 12, 26 says, Reverence for the Lord gives confidence and security to a man. You see, confidence based upon a relationship with God and His opinion of us and not what others think about us enables us to get a handle on anger. See, when we're uptight about our image, anger goes up. When we're not uptight about our image, then anger level comes down. 
Here's the third step. You've got to stop and think before reacting. In anger, usually what happens is that our mouths run faster than our minds. Or our actions jump ahead of our thoughts. So if you get to feeling anger, you've you got to put your mind in gear before you put your mouth into action. Because a, a sharp tongue is the quickest way to cut your throat. Proverbs 13, 16 says, Sensible people always think before they act. Proverbs 16, 23 says, Intelligent people think before they speak. Ooh, Proverbs is full of wisdom. See, the key to anger management is to think. Think before you react. You know, for a long time there was that theory that says, Count the ten. Well, counting to ten is only going to delay it ten seconds if you don't think you know, during that period of time that you're counting. You know, think before you react. Delay your responses. Buy yourself some time. Ask yourself, why am I angry? Is it my ego? Is it my pride? You know, am I insecure? Am I hurt? And what do I really want out of this situation? And how can I best get it? And chances are you're not going to get it by being angry. Now, the fourth step is then learn to relax. Learn to relax. I, I, we're people that are just so tight and, and wound so tightly that, that it doesn't take much to set us off. And we need to learn to relax. In fact, Proverbs 14.30 says, A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Isn't that nice? A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. See, when, when I'm uptight, I'm more prone to anger. See, and deadlines that we live under in this culture today. Schoolwork, deadlines at work, plans there, even deadlines for, for church life, you know. Sometimes get us so wound up and so tight that, we, you know, we're just ready just to, just to pop a cork, you know, because we're so angry about that. And then here's the fifth step, getting a handle on this anger. And that is, continually ask God for help. See, when we're squeezed, what's inside of us is going to come out. And when tension and pressure and all those things and deadlines and cutting remarks and insults and jest and all those things start hitting us from the outside, what's inside is going to come out. And oftentimes that's anger expressed inappropriately. And so what does it mean then to continually ask God for His help? You know, how, how does that make it more of just another self-help thing or anger management class, but it gives it a spiritual dimension? And how does that conquer the, the anger issue that we have? Well, we particularly want to ask God to develop, to grow that fruit of the Spirit in our life. Particularly love, joy, peace, and patience. And see, if we're filled with that fruit, then we're going to be less anxious. We're going to be less competitive. We're going to be less uh, uptight. And we're going to be less anger, expressing less anger with our life. You see, so how, how does Jesus then fit into this pattern? How, how does Jesus help us? And how can we say, you know, if you come to Jesus and you accept Jesus and you turn to Jesus, He'd help you get a handle on your anger. Well, you see, He helps us by dealing with the root cause of our anger. See, if you've been abused, if you've been ignored, if you've been mistreated, if you've been unloved, if you've been rejected, if you've been misused, if you've been unwanted, if you've been betrayed, you see, when you come to Jesus, He replaces all of that, all of that negative stuff. 
And He replaces our hurts with love. He replaces our frustration with peace. And He replaces our insecurity with power. And I want to give you two ways to think about how you can claim the benefit of Christ in your life to handle anger. The first is a true sense of humility. I look back over my life and I think about the people that have come across the path of my life who live with genuine humility and none of them had an issue with anger. None of them had an issue with anger. I would say it's virtually impossible to be angry with others when you are filled with humility. Here's a second thing, benefit that Christ gives to us. And that is that Christ brings into our life the power of God that is greater than any power and will allow us to get a handle on anger because God's power in our life is stronger than any other power in the world. See, God replaces our anger, our frustration, our hurts, our fears, our insecurities, our doubts, all of them with His presence. And in His presence we find power. And in that power we can harness anything to the glory of God, including our anger. And so if you're dealing with anger, if anger is a problem for you that you deal with, then I'm going to suggest to you that you you really seek a deep abiding relationship with God and claim the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. And whatever brought the hurt into your life that causes the anger, allow Jesus to replace it with His love. Would you do that today? Father, we thank You that uh, You give to us our emotions. And we thank You that anger is one that we can express, and we can express it appropriately even uh, as we glorify You. But we also realize that there's bad anger that we deal with, and that's the one we ask You for the power uh, that You give to us in a relationship with You living in our life that allows us to deal with all the issues out there in life that, that bring about the anger issue in our life. And so, Father, I pray that we would have the, the, the faith to come to You, either the, for the first time today to confess our sins and our need for You and the forgiveness of our sins and that power, or whether we come as a believer and saying, you know, I've just been battling this anger issue and I haven't gotten it under control. You know, there's some issues in my past that I think I need to deal with, and, and I want to come and claim that power that God has for me today. I want to ask for that special blessing, God, for you to grow the fruit in my life that I need. Love, joy, peace, and patience so that I can learn how to get a handle on anger and I can live healthily both physically and spiritually to your glory through Jesus Christ my Savior and Lord. And it's in His name that I pray. Amen.